Hi everyone, this is Read Watch Play. I'm Cleo. I'm James. I'm Corinne. And I'm Justin. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about Crosstalk by Connie Willis. So Crosstalk is about uh, a woman named Brittany who works at a company that makes smartphones. (laughs) And she's supposed to get an EED, which is an implant that helps uh, partners, romantic partners, to connect on a deeper emotional level with her boyfriend, Trent, who she's only been seeing for about six weeks. Um, but after she gets the procedure done, she accidentally connects with someone else and not just emotionally, but telepathically. And that someone else is a man named CB Schwartz, who also works in the same company, but everyone considers him to be a little bit, uh, a little weird. And I feel like a little bit weird about this episode because from some of the pre-recording talk I've heard, uh... Not everyone was a fan of this. Uh, I myself have mixed feelings about this book, although I will say Connie Willis is one of my all-time favorite authors. So uh, I kind of want to hear more about how you guys felt about this in general. Uh, So at a certain point, I described this book as mediocre heterosexual fan fiction, and I stand by that analysis of it as a story. Pretty much every time we checked in to see how we were both feeling about the book. Crow was just like, yeah, it's, this still feels accurate. Um, which is not to say that... Here's the thing. I'm very excited to talk about this book. Um, mostly because it's sort of like benevolently kind of bad. But like, I, like I'm not mad about it not being that great. I, I'm... I don't know. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on and I'm excited to pick it apart and be like, yeah, it wasn't very good, but... I'm not angry about it. Yeah, it's like like okay, you this was pre your your joining the podcast, right? But the last book that we all really didn't like was Armada, and I feel like there was a kind of genuine, all like not quite hatred, but maybe oh, yeah. maybe hatred's the right word. Armada was hot, insulting garbage, right? Whereas this is this is like it has its frequent not great moments but i never like after outside of the first 20 pages i never find found myself like actively like that mad about those moments if if that makes sense like once once i got once the the story got going as as going as it as it gets for the majority of the book i i was entertained enough that that the badness didn't like make me that angry, I guess is the way to say it. I was going to say, I feel that this story would have been better. I mean, given this is a long novel, it's like what, almost 500 pages ish. I think, I think it breaks that barrier. Okay. But, and so Connie Willis is, I'm just going to flat out say this. She's a great author. This is probably my least favorite thing I've read from, from her. I was going to say recently, but like, I think in, in general, she writes a lot of great short stories, and I feel like this would have made a much better short story. Yeah, uh, Corinne, you and I were kind of explicitly talking about that, where I, I was, as soon as you said she writes like really great short stories, I'm like, yeah, I believe that. That sounds about right. Based on what I read here, I, I completely agree. This sounds like something that could have been a really cool short story uh, and ended up being kind of a subpar book. Um, 
because I I think that I found it uh, hard to read for longer than uh, you all did. But I, uh, Justin, I think it's interesting that you bring up Armada because I was thinking about Armada a lot as while I was reading this as well, but never in a, oh man, like, is this worse than Armada? I was like, no, Armada, I, I, we were cleaning our closet the other day, right? And I found the copy of Armada that I had stashed back there such that <laughs> it would never, like, come out to haunt me again, right? Sure. And I was flipping through it and I found all these points where I was moved to write in the margins just, like, exasperated responses to things there was one chapter where i had just like i filled out the entire space between the ending of the chapter and like the bottom of the page with just this like summary of just how frustrated i was with the fact that ernest klein seemed to be trying to insert himself into the book and the entire book just seemed about explaining to us that he was cool too guys it just i never had i never hit any point like that with this I, the big similarity that i felt like i hit was just some of the the tone and writing style and some of the um, the references that felt really forced, um, and it was it, it was in those moments where I got flashes of Armada, and in the moments where I was just like, I'm just really not enjoying this. But by and large, though, I I think that I think Corinne, you described it as benevolently, yeah, like, not good, yeah. Like I think that I would agree with that. Like it's not like Armada was offensively bad, right? And not just in that I found parts of the book offensive to groups of people in certain cultures and reductive, etc., but like the lack of quality in that book made me amazed that anyone tried to edit it or opted to publish it. Like I was like, no, this is an offense to books. Whereas this, I was like, no, like this is, I'm not enjoying it, but it's all, it, it's, it wasn't like hurtfully bad, you know? Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, that I, I would completely agree with that. Like I, there were flashes where it made me think of Armada, but only ever in the, yeah, this is doing something kind of similar, but better. You know, it's so, still not good, but it's not that bad. Like those specific things, I mean. Yeah, and I think that the big thing, and then to come back to what kind of made me think about this was Cleo, your point about it, uh, about uh, Connie Willis being a good writer of short stories, is that it felt like all the places where those things that frustrated me most crept in were the parts where it just kind of felt like we were filling time, you know, which is another reason why I think that it would have been a really cool short story. Um, I have mixed feelings about a couple of the ways that some of the metaphors seem to go, and we can get into that like a little bit later, but it, it seems like a couple wires get crossed along the way uh, in ways that I think create implications that I don't think Connie Willis was necessarily going for. Not to speak for the author, but I don't know. It, it seems like kind of an accident, but regardless... Um, yeah, but no, I, I think that this would have been, like, a really neat short story. Because I feel like all the parts I didn't like crept in as part of, you know, feeling like trying to make it to 500 pages. One bit of context um, before we go. How did how did everyone get through this? Because I, I listened to the audiobook, so any talk about pages, I'm guessing. Um, I know this is an 18-hour book. How how did everyone else uh, consume it? Uh, we both read the ebook, Corinne and I. I read it in a single sitting in 10 hours. I um, listened to the audiobook, but I also had the physical book with me when I was reading it. Oh, neat. That's always fun. How late were you up reading this book? Four in the morning. Jesus. Yeah, I remember. I was really confused as to why you could have told me you read the whole thing. Like, because like, I knew when you started it. And I, and, I, and then Tuesday, Tuesday morning, you were like, yeah, I read the whole thing in one sitting. And I was just I, like, I just let it go. But I was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, 
yeah. So, uh, Cleo, quick, quick talk about the audiobook. Um, what would you think? Um, so I mean, again, I listened to like, I listened to it on twice the normal speed. Yeah, I actually did as well. I don't normally go that high, but I did for this one. So she, I feel like this narrator was particularly slow. If you listen, because I do always try to listen to like at least a little bit of an audiobook on the normal speed just to kind of get the sense of like what they were trying for it to sound like. Although I don't know, I don't know if I know anyone who listens to audiobooks at like one time speed. I don't know. Like I have a long history of having, there's only one Connie Willis book where I really like the narrator. And that's also my favorite Connie Willis book. And maybe like one of my favorite books of all time, which is doomsday book. And I really hope, I don't know. Part of me is like, I should not have had them read this one. We should have like done another topic and read doomsday book. Cause then they won't hate Connie Willis. Um, Cause I'm afraid this might've spoiled her for you for like ever. But yeah, like with blackout and all clear, I also wasn't crazy about the narrator for some reason. Uh, I mean, I got, again, at two times speed, anyone becomes mostly tolerable. Yeah, I, 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 was, I, I also listened at, at 2x speed, um, for, for this one. And I, I think it was all fine. I definitely agree that I felt like the narration was slow, which made me wonder, it, it's something that I wanted to bring up because I was like, it, it made me wonder if that affected how slow I felt the book was moving. Uh, which is something I wanted to check in with uh, for people who read the book. So I was like, oh, did it feel like it was going slow because it felt like the author was kind of taking her time with the reading? Um, also, though, that it never mind. It's not worth getting into particular quirks of the audiobook in the episode. Um, there are several voices that I thought became very funny, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, which is no one's fault because again, I I would never judge something based on how it holds up to being listened to at twice its intended speed. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But yeah, so can't hold it. But I I laughed a lot. Um, yeah. So um, to uh, Justin, you and Corinne, did you feel like the book was kind of slow moving? Was that like an actual quality of the book, or was that something that felt like it was sort of magnified uh, for me? Because I I moved up to two x, um, not a, a little bit less than halfway through. I started at uh, one and a half x. Um, and uh, honestly, the main reason why I picked it up though um, was not because. I felt like it was necessarily boring. Like I was definitely willing to go at that speed. It was more that we just moved our recording day up by a week. Um, yeah. So I, I was curious about that. Did, did it feel like the actual writing moved kind of slowly as well? So uh, two things. Uh, one is that there was a point post theater in that whole lengthy sort of expanse mm. where I, I sort of like, meerkat style poked my head up and was just like how long have we been in this like 12 hour stretch of time like how many chapters of this book have been devoted to that and i was just like holy crap this has been a while so that was pretty lengthy but on the other hand um i i compared this book to fan fiction and i don't mean that derisively like i I read a lot of fan fiction and I, I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, one of the hallmarks of fan fiction, I think, is it's extremely, extremely focused on very, like, uh, it's very narrowly focused on character interactions uh, as opposed to other things that you could explore in fiction. And I think that was very true of this book. So much time was devoted very explicitly to, ev to like, exploring every single minute of interaction between uh between Brittany and CB and um, I, I enjoy stuff like that a lot but 
I think we talked about this a little bit before. I think that 500 pages was a bit too much to be focusing that intently on on just two people interacting and giving us like a minute by minute, you know, play by play of of everything they're doing and everything they're thinking and everything everything. It's just it was it was just too zoomed in for way too long, in my opinion. How about you, Justin? The the thing that you said, Corinne, about um, like just like the amount of time that this book covers it just in general and the amount of time that we spend in individual scenes all felt way, way too long. And, and I think that's that's kind of what it comes down to. The, the sequence, the sequence of events themselves, had they played out with less filler, would have been perfectly fine. It but the the actual the fact that that everything like you you get a you get a car ride right that that just takes a, a few minutes and this thing is is most of an entire chapter of like internal worries and these internal conversations and all this and it's just it's it's just way too much so i had another question um this one chiefly for uh uh cleo and corinne um so it would would I be correct in categorizing this book as largely a uh, young adult? That was kind of the vibe that I got off of it, but I wanted to I wanted to check. I wasn't sure. So, technically, being this is like something I know a fair deal about. Um, young adult needs to be basically the character has to be younger than eighteen, uh, like the main character and like most of the other characters. Got it. So you would even categorize as important to the genre is the wrong word, but uh, the the target demo for YA would be that the the protagonist is also in that age group. Yes. So there is a new okay, and there's like some people have a lot of different feelings about this, but there is a kind of new genre that's called new adult, which is I think like roughly I mean the the widest range I've heard is like between the ages of 18 and 30. And so there there tend to be similar themes to a lot of like YA lit, but the age group is just, you know, they're a little bit older. It's like college age plus um and like i guess this would technically potentially i mean we never get anyone's real we don't ever get anyone's age i don't think but um i think this would probably fall somewhere within like the upper part of that range um however i don't know people have mixed feelings about that thing being a genre at all gotcha um so the reason why i was asking is because the the writing style kind of reminded me of that kind of almost overly explanatory style that I tend to associate with books that are kind of targeted towards that younger demographic. So I was curious. Um, right. And also some of the ways that she uh, was hesitant, I guess feels like the right word at um, broaching it. Like she talks about sex, but almost always in like a very sort of like academic way, like the way that feels like it would be appropriate to reference for someone who has had freshman biology but like or potentially just is a seventh grader at least and you know but not like a whole lot more than that so i was i was curious if those might be uh indicators of that just because it it reminded me of the way that i remember stuff being written at that at that time being but so i guess if it if it wouldn't necessarily qualify uh that kind of invalidates my my follow-up question which uh was going to be um whether some of the uh, writing quirks that we were seeing and kind of responding to were just kind of hallmarks of being targeted towards that kind of age group, but maybe that's not actually the case. 
because um, I know that I most of the YA stuff that I've read is the stuff that has been put on my radar explicitly as, oh, James, like, I think you would like this stuff, like The Hunger Games, that it usually makes it onto my radar because it is written in a way that I would end up, like, being down with. Um, so it made me wonder if it was just something that I was not really used to, but is kind of a hallmark of the genre. Like, when you watch anime for the first time, right? And you're, like, starting to learn the tropes, and it's just like, no, this is kind of, this is how it works. Um, and whether that was just kind of par for the course. Yeah, so sex and sci-fi in general is kind of, sex and sci-fi and fantasy, I'll say, is, it tends to be kind of weird. Like, on the one hand, you get a whole plethora of books that go into like very graphic detail about sex and sex scenes and like often are kind of kind of like gross and very like just very male like very off the author is like very very like hetero male Mm. um and connie willis i mean i'm just thinking about like i mean even like game of thrones and everything just all that kind of like grim dark fantasy right you have like a lot of like really really graphic depictions of sex um and when we would uh what did we read earlier altered carbon yeah you know i mean we were all we talked about that i think at length during that episode but yeah connie willis and, and i did notice this and i was wondering what you guys would think about that because that's kind of like that's just kind of how she approaches sex in most of her books like romance tends not to be a huge element in her at and anything that she's read that I or written that I've read at least, um, like it will be like a background thing, like oh, this character has a crush on so and so, um, and like maybe they'll kiss, but that's pretty much it. And so I was really interested when I found out she was writing a romantic comedy because romance has never been in the foreground of like anything I've read of hers. Um, and this did seem very like very, I mean. Even, I was going to say, I was going to compare it to a movie rom-com, but sex even plays, like, a much bigger role in most of those films, usually, unless it's specifically supposed to be, like, you know, for the entire family. Um, but I think that's just, I don't know whether it's because she's a little bit more conservative when it comes to those things, or whether it's purposely trying to push back against, like, really, really detailed graphic depictions of sex. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, the the big uh, reasons why I was curious about that... Um... It was not because I felt like I was just like, oh, man, get to the sex already. It was more just that there were several scenes that felt like they were uh, very much stand-ins for that, where she had opted to play it a bit more PG, let's say, um, which I, I wasn't necessarily against, but it seemed like uh, a very conscious choice, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, and part of why it made me wonder if if the goal was to make the book kind of more broadly accessible, like what you were saying, Cleo, kind of a, a for-the-whole-family sort of thing. Um, and if that, like I said, and that sort of contributed to my sense that it's like, oh, well, maybe that's part of why she also kind of ex- feels like over-explains a lot of things, um, if, if that was kind of some of the goal. Is there anything else that we want to talk about pre-spoiler break? Because um, I feel like, at least for me, those were, those were the big kind of broad things that I, that I was curious about. Um, everything else, I think, has kind of specific evidence kind of further questions um even this one was kind of bordering on that i will say this is like i mean because corinne you had referred to this as like hetero fanfic specifically um it it's always weird trying to read something that's like heavily the main plot line is a romance when 
that it's not a room like it's not a relationship you would ever like envy or like want to be in <laughs> so i mean because i mean the reason i mean because part of engaging in any kind of romantic comedy or romantic literature of any kind is that a lot of the enjoyment comes out of being like oh yeah like that would be nice or that it was a is a cute moment that like i would like to experience but i didn't really have that at all throughout this book i don't think once and part of it is that like yes this is like it was very kind of heteronormative and also very monogamy focused. Like when they talk about the EEDs in general, it's like, it's always this very big emphasis on like, Oh, it's only two partners and like soulmates and all that stuff. And like, personally I'm both pansexual and polyamorous and kind of had a hard time identifying with the characters, I guess. And like CB wasn't someone CB and, uh, Pretty. like there are ne- neither of them are people who i would want to be in a relationship with yeah i would agree with uh just about everything you said there <laughs> i yeah i i um i remember saying to you corinne the other night that like and and cleo this sort of reinforced for me what you said earlier it's like that that connie willis doesn't really that romance was always sort of a bit part of the other things that she had written and it's not that I'd say it, would, it feels that way, but that I I don't know that I would call writing like romance as a foreground part of stories is a particular strength of hers. I I honestly thought this this would have been better with with zero romance angle whatsoever. Because honestly, I mean the telepathy. I know it's supposed to be cute, I guess, or like it's the bonding thing. But honestly, like the intrusiveness of it makes it way too creepy for me to really consider it being romantic at all. Like, yeah, the version of telepathy that is depicted in this book is something out of nightmares. Yeah, and I would say even even in addition to that, uh, this is easier to talk about post-spoiler break, but there are, there are a couple things that happen towards the end that kind of, I don't know, that I, I think, I feel like they're meant to be, like you said, I feel like they're meant to be cute, but at the end of the day, I think have like a weird shading effect on... Uh, Britty and CB's like romantic arc you know, spoilers um, <laughs> Jesus. but uh, but have kind of like a weird shading effect on their romantic arc that makes me be like yeah okay no so that's that that I don't know I easier to talk about after but yeah no I agree I it feels like the telepathy is supposed to help with this like kind of bonding angle but I yeah I don't know I'm not it didn't totally like sell me on it. Like I was, I was fine. I was the kind of thing where it's easy enough to like, you go along for the ride. Right. Like I feel like better romances have been premised upon worse, uh, bonding mechanisms. Right. But so like, that was all fine, but yeah, but no, I, I agree though that I, it, it doesn't quite, it doesn't quite pay off. I feel like, I don't know. I mean, I think the, I mean, I have personally read, telepathy fan fiction like i've been there i've read some good ones so like would i let's do this real fast uh corinne who would you would you recommend this story no but if you want some telepathy fan fiction that's pretty damn good you know come to me for that i'll give you some recs for that instead uh yeah i i don't know this the way telepathy was presented in this book not great pretty pretty scary and uh the characters themselves kind of insufferable not not yeah. very invested in their romantic bliss or whatever uh overall just 
kind of okay. Yeah, I mean, do we want to roll from that? Justin, would you would you recommend Crosstalk? Uh, probably and not. If so, to whom? I I I don't think I would to anyone. I I do like I like the idea of telepathy being, you know, explored in this book. It is this, you know, stuff of nightmares kind of thing and it's like not fun. It's very scary. It's but I I like what what Willis was getting at with that. Like I it's an interesting idea for telepathy to be this kind of thing for it not to be a toggleable whatever, you know, and and the way it all works in this book and I I like the idea of exploring that. I don't think it I just don't think it ended up going over very well. How about you, Cleo? I have different people in mind right now. So for someone who is a Connie Willis fan and, like, has read most of her stuff, I would recommend it because it's just an interesting other side of of her. And, like, I was always going to read this no matter what um, because I've, I feel like I've read most of her stuff. Um, I do also very specifically want to say... Even if this doesn't sound like something you want to read, please read her other work because it's it's really good. Like Doomsday Book is really really good. I can't even I can't emphasize that enough. And I mean, Blackout and All Clear, which are time travel books, kind of set in the same universe as Doomsday Book and takes place mostly during World War Two. Those are also really good, but the length, like, really. That's one novel that was split into two really also big novels. So if the length of this was kind of a deterrent, then maybe those aren't the best places to start. But 100% Doomsday Book. Yeah, I can say as someone who has who has been in that position of recommending a new thing from an author that I really like, and then I read that new thing while someone else is reading the new thing, and I'm just like, oh shit, this is not like the best representation of this author that I really like. Uh, or even like kind of on this podcast when we talked about you know, like Wind Up Bird, I feel like was a really good example where we ended up kind of agreeing there's no perfect place to start with Murakami or rather there's no easy place to start with Murakami. But going into that and just being like, here's this thing that like I love and it's just like, yeah, it's a kind of a it's a singular kind of thing. Right. Um, I would say uh, I would be very interested to read other stuff by Connie Willis, especially uh, Cleo kind of hearing your reaction was be like, yeah, yeah, this one wasn't really up there but like please don't let that turn you off from the other ones i say as, as someone who's been in that position i i'm absolutely not turned off from the other ones i'd be very interested in reading uh kind of what you think of as her better stuff um but that said i i probably i i would not recommend this particular one either yeah it didn't do a lot for me i would i think frankly i would probably be more likely to recommend it to a younger person um but I, even then, I feel like, eh. It's, it's the kind of thing where, like, would I recommend this to somebody, like, like somebody, you know, X person? Yes, but mm. I would recommend these dozen other books first. The kind of the kind of place we've come down to on a lot of these. Yeah, and even then, I feel bad being like, oh, I'd recommend it to a younger person. Like, what, because a younger person, like, likes stuff that I don't? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know that I would have enjoyed this 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I don't know how old I am. But anyway, <laughs> but I mean, the idea that you felt like this might be more representative of YA fiction. Yeah. Right? The, like that. I like, I understand where you're coming from with that. Yeah. It, and I don't know. I, maybe for someone who's building up their reading level and is interested in reading about someone who's an adult and not their age, this would 
jump to mind. I don't know. All right. So with that, shall we shall we take our spoiler break and introduce our next topic? Um, first, we might want to talk about something, which is the fact that we're going to a spoiler break, but we are not going to a summary. Yes, that's true. I was going to do it the other way, but let's do it this way. Okay. Um, yeah. So we've we've decided to not do summaries for for this this topic. Um, largely, it came down to it uh, didn't feel like they were adding a whole lot to each of the episodes. So for this topic, we're going to do kind of a trial run where we're not going to summarize each thing as we go. We're just going to do this hard, clear spoiler break. If that is something that is a problem for you or something that you don't like something you do like we would love to hear all about that so we know if we should continue doing that um but so that is going to be the way we are doing things for this digital romance topic uh you can get in touch with us on oh yeah let's move our we can move our social plug up to here this is great (laughs) look at us go uh you can find us on facebook you can find us on twitter i don't know how you do that but (laughs) We're on Twitter as RWP Podcast. We're on Facebook as Read, Watch, Play. Fantastic. We can cut out the part where I admit that I don't know our stuff. Clear, you're going to keep that, right? I clear can do whatever she wants. It. <laughs> I am all powerful. That's what I get for not editing the first one. James doesn't use social media. I knew I was going to be working it out in the first one. And I said, ah, someone else can take care of how I look in this anyway. That'll be fine. <laughs> I knew what I was getting into. Uh, yeah, anyway, so we are at RWP Podcast on Twitter. We are Readwatch Play on Facebook. Yeah, so let us know what you think about the lack of summaries. Do you like that? Do you not like that? Uh, that'll that'll inform whether we uh, pick them back up in our next topic, which is a better segue than the last one, so this is working out, uh, which is going to be Women of the Apocalypse. We are going to be reading Tank Girl by Jamie Hewlett and Alan Martin. We are going to be watching Mad Max Fury Road by George Miller. And we are going to be playing Horizon Zero Dawn by Guerrilla Games. God, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm so, so excited. Like, I, I have never read Tank Girl, but I have seen Mad Max, and it is one of my favorite movies. And I'm super, super pumped for Horizon. Uh, one little bit of context. When I say we are reading Tank Girl, uh, we are going to be reading the main series. It is a comic. Uh, I don't remember how many issues we, we kind of came up with uh, as our... I mean, we, we're going to read the, I think, the entire main arc, which I believe is, it's like five or six volumes? Yeah, so we've got a couple kind of longer things in this, uh, which is going to be a bit interesting. Uh, specifically, uh, Tank Girl, kind of a longer series of comics, but comics, so go a little bit faster than prose sometimes, so we'll see We'll see how that goes. And Horizon Zero Dawn, which is a big, long, open-world kind of game that I've already been playing for like a couple months, and I'm only like halfway through. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a fun one. Yeah. But for now, this is our big spoiler break. This is all the warning you're going to get. This is There's no music that's going to come in. There's going to be no soothing voice recorded in post telling you all about what Crosstalk was all about. Uh, we're just going to talk about it. Yeah, okay. So is there anything specific that anyone wants to talk about right off the bat? I want to talk about what sort of hellscape Connie Willis lives in that she thinks she is writing a representation of the way sane humans use Facebook. Yeah. Well, I yeah, mean, I, I do get, I guess I get the idea of this being that kind of, she's trying to depict this, you know, alternate modern day that is very, very focused on intense overconnection. That's basically just that, right? This nightmare hellscape. Apparently everything she wants to talk about in this book is everything, everything that 
you might think is cool or neat is actually completely awful. And here are all the reasons why. And that includes talking to your family members on the phone, social media, like smartphones in general, and even the idea of telepathy. And apparently reading most books. Can we talk briefly about the fact that uh, she uses the phrase smartphone an awful lot as opposed to just phone? Uh which is not a deal breaker by any stretch, but did strike me as an interesting stylistic quirk. Well, given how hard she tries to to shove into your face that this is happening in the year, you know, twenty sixteen, but a slightly alternate twenty sixteen in which this, you know, non existent company is relevant. I want to talk about that really fast because I, I mean, you're you you're pretty strongly, you know, certain that this is alternate twenty sixteen. I I was oscillating between that and getting the vibe that this was potentially like 10 to 20 years in the future i mean the tech and the things that she's trying to go to with like the oversharing on social media and the way things are working everything is going it feels like it's supposed to be in the future i'm i'm 100 on board with that idea the references date it firmly now which is a it's a big problem. Well, like, except it, this plethora of zombie movies that have yet to come out. Right. Yeah. Which <laughs> weirdly just seem to replace all the like all the cheesy like over the top sci fi movies, specifically the Sharknado movies. Uh, the big thing that I was sort of confused about there was the fact that she goes for very specific real world references for so many things, except for these zombie movies. And I was like, I feel like you could have just said Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Including like, a bunch of Disney movies. Like she talks about Frozen and Tangled. Yeah. Like, so I, it can't be like a copyright issue because if anyone's going to get you on those, it's them. <laughs> I, I will say all. just I feel like because it's going to put things in context a little bit. Connie Willis is 71 years old. That sounds about right. Yeah. That's, there it that, is. That tracks. Yeah. I would say that's, yeah, that explains a lot. That's about that's that's about what I would expect. I yeah, would I mean, I think we were James. We were talking about this at work uh, a lot, actually, and uh, I I was like, Connie Willis seems to believe that everybody uses Facebook the way that like middle aged soccer moms use Facebook, and but just like more, just like turned turn turn like wine mom Facebook usage up to eleven, and and that's. The, the world that Connie Willis puts everybody in in this book. Yeah, it was it was one of the things where and this this is getting a little bit at um, kind of one of the things I was sort of saying a little bit earlier where it it does kind of feel like telepathy is meant to be and it is meant to be a metaphor for social media usage. Um, it comes as like this part of this technological advancement. It seems like a good thing. It's kind of pitched under this guise of um connecting more with the people you care about uh for some reason irish people connect with way more people than other people which is also an accurate social media representation um but it can confirm uh but so it, it feels like that's it regardless of what was intended uh it feels like that's not an unfair reading of of the situation um and i think she kind of goes through a lot of if if you read it that way she does seem to go through a lot of stuff for that, where it's the, oh, but then there is so much of it. You know, you come into it wanting to connect more with the people who are close to you, but then you sort of find yourself connecting more to people you don't know and not necessarily wanting that, and also connecting to the people who are close to you on a level that maybe you don't want to all the time, like your nine-year-old niece, who is adorable and the best character in the book, uh, but sometimes is a bit much, like when you're just trying to get makey-outy with your new boyfriend. But... Yeah, I was 
I, I thought that was just kind of an it, an interesting thing. It seemed even as someone who does not use social media, um, as I think as evidenced by the fact that now, well, now we're going to have to keep this, that I <laughs> don't know how like Facebook and Twitter work <laughs> from our social call out that I botched earlier. Um, I feel like even I don't have quite that pessimistic of a view, which I, I thought was interesting. Um, it was, yeah, like I, and obviously there are some optimistic parts to it, right? Like doing this is how she connects with CB. It's how she learns more about, you know, Trent being an asshole because I, I don't know, I guess Brittany can't pick up on social cues. Um, or see a name. Or yeah. say the word no. God, Brittany was so frustrating. Sorry, we'll talk about that later. That's Keep going. Thing, yeah, but because uh, yeah uh trent i don't know i feel like he makes it pretty apparent that he's probably not the best um anyway uh but yeah so i thought that that was like a really interesting thing at and i wanted to ask people who use social media more than me which is to say at all um what you kind of thought of that particular reading because like i said it seems not unfair so okay i this is something that this is something that might be better discussed in the our topic episode but i do want to bring it up here first which is that for something that is so much about social media it really seems to mainly be talking about one-on-one communication via social media like i mean with the telepathy right i mean there is a little bit of group talking happening sometimes but the emphasis is largely on you know two people in, in a conversation Whereas I feel there are certain things like shows like Black Mirror, right, which we'll be covering in the next episode, um, focus on social media as being much more about projecting what kind of person you want the world to see you as versus like having instantaneous, constant communication with someone. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I thought that was that was interesting that this telepathy as a metaphor for social media was an interesting choice because I mean, at least right now in sci-fi, when you see, you know, different things, different stories taking on this subject matter, it's, it's very much more focused on like your image to everyone rather than like, how does this impact like these very individual, these smaller relationships? Yeah. And I, I think that that's a really good point, especially because, um, I mean, this seems to do the opposite, right? Where all the voices that she's getting are not the kind of curated online personas, but the kind of raw inner thoughts, um, which, yeah, is... Right. Yeah, I agree. It, and it seems like an important distinction. Yeah, I. but I also agree, though, That's I think that's going to be a very interesting thing to talk about uh, in the topic episode when we've got some other stuff that we can uh, connect that to. But yes, uh, I agree very much. I, I mean, I do think I would say... I, I kind of agree with that reading of it um and that i mean the 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 viewpoint certainly isn't uncommon right the idea that that social media is toxic i feel like it that's the bigger thing to me though is it it almost doesn't come across so much as toxic as just scary like i in which i think is part of why uh connie willis being in her early 70s tracks so much for me is it seems more like this sense of it it just sort of like being scared of it, being scared that it's something that you will find yourself engaging in, whether you want it or not. Like you came into it to talk to one person and now you're hearing everybody and you don't feel that you can disconnect from it. Like it, 
it is one of the important distinctions between the way that uh, telepathy is portrayed versus you know social media in the real world, which is it's not that hard for someone like me to just be like, yeah, I'm not really going to do this. Um, I do want to, based on what you just say, I do want to say that I feel I I identify with that a little bit. The I came here to talk to one person. Now I'm being flooded with all these other people, and I don't know how to like filter them out properly and then also a little bit of that and that idea of like ad- addiction to social media which isn't it's maybe hinted at in some ways um at least like with her family uh it's not thoroughly explored i would say but again social media addiction explored a lot more thoroughly in black mirror yeah agreed um but yeah, it, I don't know, that seemed really interesting. I like that and the fact that, like, like Pretty doesn't use Facebook as far as I can tell, right? Like, does she ever... I mean, listen, we get every single little detail about everything that Pretty does in this entire book, and not once does she open up Facebook. Yeah, or, like, any other, like, active social media, which makes her feel, like, it kind of surprising for someone who is the age that I assume she is supposed to be. Because you're right, we never really get ages... Which threw me off pretty hardcore because I, for whatever reason, I imagined CB as being much older than her before I realized that he was intended to be uh, the romantic lead, which is when I figured out that, oh, he's probably the other guy on the cover of the audiobook. So I guess he's intended to be in his mid to late 20s. That's the read I get about basically everybody. But so I was surprised by that. That was that was a very that was a very interesting way that I needed to shift my imagination. of these characters about a third of the way through the book. Yeah. So it, it felt like that made for, and that seemed like the idea to me that I really wanted to kind of get at a little bit more. And that I really, really kind of made me wish that it was a shorter story, that that was an interesting take on it to have, you know, it was an interesting character to put that take on. Um, but it was, it seemed like an interesting take to have one thing though, that I don't hundred percent agree with, is the fact that it seemed like she also kind of started getting into issues of mental illness and schizophrenia and the sense like, oh, CB has been like dealing with this like thing since he was like very young and it like onset in puberty and sometimes comes on later. It was like, eh, okay, it feels like you're trying to get into something else that's like an interesting way to contextualize this. But I feel like crossing the, this is a metaphor both for uh, dealing with something like schizophrenia or other sorts of, mental illness versus uh but not versus but and also social media use that struck me as not while not intended uh let's say an an unintended consequence of um trying to deal with trying to use that to color the way that dealing with telepathy i don't know it using using mental illness as a way to help contextualize dealing with telepathy but also using telepathy it feels like as kind of a metaphor for social media it didn't sit 100% great with me. Yeah. Again, I don't like I don't think it was on, on purpose. I don't think it was like Right. I mean, there are there are like that. sort of a step removed from each other, right? But they're like too clo- they're brushing shoulders too closely for comfort. It, yeah, not even, it it feels like kind of a weird like if A then B, if B then and if B then C, thus if A then C, where like those two relationships were set up kind of independent of one another. Right. Um and there's like a weird implication there that's not what the book's about. And it feels like it's not like what the book is trying to say, but it is sort of a weird consequence. Um, so 
felt like that was not great. But so, what did we think of the characters? Maeve is the best. Book. Everyone else sucks. I'm pretty on board with that. I don't know. I- Everyone kind of annoyed me, honestly. Oh, Maeve is also annoying. <laughs> She's just but... the best of them. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I got like, I, I got like 10% into the book, and I, I like came out of my room and I went up to Justin. And I was just like, everybody in this book is insufferable, and that remains true throughout the entirety of the book. It's just more interesting things happen than just focusing on how insufferable everybody is, yeah. which makes it more bearable. Well, I mean, also, Maeve is nine, right? She's got time to grow out of it. Like, it seems unlikely, but if she can buck this family and, you know, get off and, I don't know, move somewhere else. Become the youngest person ever to get a degree in, to get to, to get some kind of plethora of PhDs and things related to computers and also possibly yeah, other things. Yeah, this Zombies. is, uh, I, Maeve is such an awkward, like, deus ex machina at the end, and... It, it, oh my! Well, we're talking briefly about Maeve, which I understand I set up anyway, so I don't really get to use that. But um, oh my god, I loved as Britty and CB were like going through like CB's defenses, and you've got like Maeve's voice over everything. <laughs> that's just like you can't run from me. I'll find you wherever you go, and it's just like I, I, you and I were yeah. were like slacking about this, just kind of like joking it was just like it's like oh yeah like i love this thing of just like her like following them because I'm, I'm listening to the audiobook right so the the narrator is using the regular mave voice but even then i can't help but imagine it as this big like scary voice of god like chasing them through like the inner sanctums of his mind like the specter of their oncoming like domestic bliss <laughs> you know like this just very specific Ter- terrifying specter though yeah. yeah no exactly which is like specifically the point that i'm making there but but yeah no and it's just like it it seems it almost seems like kind of a weird way to make them parents immediately um in that like it feels like they're probably just gonna like adopt like save this girl from her mother right like just come in and just be like no we have an order from the government she's ours now it's something like i don't know but that's how the government works yeah exactly I think so <laughs> but I don't know. It, the Irish government, they do all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, but the not really Irish government, just like Aunt Una and her buddies, who clearly just run everything anyway, apparently, according to the end. <laughs> so just the daughters of Ireland are going to write down on a piece of paper and just hand it over. And it's like, yeah, no, Maeve belongs to them now. That's you get the impression works. that, yeah, they could just show up and strong arm Mary Claire into whatever they want. They'll just, like, psychic blast her into oblivion. <laughs> right? I mean, they've they've been locking down her like inherent psyche it's like she's been grounded yeah just for her entire life there's like no facebook for you (laughs) i don't know you can't handle the facebook but i don't know so anyway it but also i mean maybe they were right in that case yeah no 100 100%. (laughs) totally 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 mary claire is a very problematic character and needs serious help and also to stop raising a children because she's actively abusive yeah right but and to be fair the book owns that right like it's it feels like it doesn't try and paint her in a super sympathetic light it's not just like oh but secretly she's a great mom it's like no she is she is terrible she is the worst she is the real villain here yeah but i don't know i feel like it really leans into like oh yeah you know she's a annoying frustrating mother and she's terrible and like yeah we know like but maybe you'll, you'll get through it like no this this woman is actively abusive she doesn't treat it harshly enough like that's that's abuse. That's emotional abuse. The end. She's an abusive mother. Yeah, that's fair. 
we've been just jumping around. What were we talking about? I said, yeah, that was the big thing <laughs> well, I wanted I to get I just to asked about characters, and we've been talking about the characters, so I, I mean... This is working okay. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, connected to, uh, connected to that. Um, I, I do think Maeve is kind of realistically portrayed as a... Well, she's like nine, like a nine-year-old on social media. I mean, given... I don't know if I know any nine-year-olds who actually have a Facebook, but my sister is 11, and she only just recently got a phone. <laughs> and Jesus Christ, like, it's nonstop. Or it was when she first got it. Like, constant texting, constant FaceTime, sending me every BuzzFeed quiz that has to do with the Hunger Games. Um, she even... Oh, so in case you thought chainmail was gone from like the days of AOL it's not <laughs> they just send it via text now and so she added me to like a giant group text with all of her other 11 year old friends and they're all very much like Maeve just constant bombardment of just wanting to interject always I didn't even know about text chainmail now I do feel old I thought the chainmail <laughs> you were talking about was the stuff that like I don't know comes from your grandparents you know, it it skips a generation. I was say this is the other end. Oh God! It skips two generations. Yeah, two. Oh, yeah. I so I, I feel like that's that's also the thing that like I may, maybe that is kind of like doubling down on why I felt like Maeve was the best character is just that like it everyone else feels like they ought to know better by now because they're an adult and she feels kind of realistic. It's and it's just that everyone is kind of acting childish in some kind of exaggerated way. So maybe that's it. And it's just like it feels more like. It makes more sense that a child is acting childish. Though. Yeah, exactly. But then also she's, like, actively fighting for her privacy in all the ways that Britty is not. And maybe that's the other thing, is she's just, like, that's, like, my aspirational, like, power fantasy of this book, is, like, for Britty to be- aspire. Like, on on Britty's behalf, I am aspiring for her to be, like, to learn from her niece and, you know, set some boundaries for herself. So- like, Maeve can't rebel against her mother too strong, right? She's nine. But... It's like, ah, oh, learn from that spirit. <laughs> Tell them no. Explain to them this is what I want, and I appreciate that you think you're helping, but you're not listening to me. I'm an adult, and I can make my own decisions. So we've talked about a, a lot about Brittany and her family, and we've talked about talked enough about Trent to matter because you know he's just an asshole, and that's basically it. Uh, but what about CB? He's so condescending. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm really not into the romantic trope of you fall in love with someone because they're protecting you and you like need them. You require their assistance to survive and that's why you fall in love with them? Because that's that's just a variation of Stockholm syndrome, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, what's the it's the Nightingale syndrome. It's like uh you know, the soldiers in World War Two would fall in love with their nurses, it's that kind of thing. Right. Um, that was my thing about like how I felt this book would be better without the romance angle. It's just that like if their relationship was what it was, but it didn't cause her to fall in love with him, it would be better. Like, yeah. uh, not that it would improve the characters in any particular way or anything like that, but just like the romance just worsens the whole idea. It felt like she was falling in love with him like against her will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, which was also a little bit fucked up because I feel like a lot, the most of the reasons why she didn't want to fall in love with him because he was weird and wears Bluetooth headphones. That was the other thing. It's like, his earbuds aren't connected. And they're like, yeah, we have that already. That's like a regular thing. 
I listened to this on headphones that aren't connected to anything. Like that's that's a that's already I mean, a real world thing. I don't but, know. I think that was probably just a poor descriptor. Like I'm pretty sure she's trying to say he's wearing normal earbuds that are not plugged into anything. Oh yeah, that's not the way I took it. I took it as just like he has like AirPods. No, because I mean I can't imagine we'd live in a world where that tech exists and everybody thinks it's weird and not doesn't use it 100 percent of the time. I mean, um, I I don't know. Not to not to like contextualize with the author but like unless you're 71 and you just haven't seen that before well no that i understand but i if she like comes up thinks that this is a thing that somebody would be using like with the world that she has set up and the fact that she is at least like like i mean i wouldn't say that she didn't create a convincing universe that made that you know made all kinds of logical sense whatever like if she thought of him using wireless headphones like with the world that she created she would have she would also make everybody use them yeah that's fair at least that's how i read it i read it as just like he literally was plugging his headphones into things and people could tell yeah i yeah that's how i read it as well yeah i so it maybe i just kind of read it weird um i took it as just they don't have a connector right um but anyway uh important thing i I feel like the big important thing there is just like it i felt like that was like another frustrating because it seemed like all the reasons why she didn't like cb were because all the popular kids at the company thought he was a weirdo and a nerd right and it's just like no like i i'm on board with getting over that but that didn't happen she just she just continued to think it until she until she didn't until she was madly in love with him for like because he saved her yeah and it's like oh no turns out like those things aren't true it's like yeah but you never like dealt with the fact that the real problem here was that y'all made a bunch of just terrible assumptions about a person and you are all mean and bad and we're not just we're not going to deal with that yeah, but she, the most she does is she projects like, you know, the the sympathy moments where she's like, oh, my God, he's been dealing with this for so long. And that's why X and Y. And it's like, yeah, but you don't address any of those problems. Yeah. And even then, just the fact that, like, they get away with the rest of the company, like saying that he's like the hunchback of Notre Dame, which doesn't make any goddamn sense. She even corrects it in the beginning. She's like, no, that that really if you're going to make a reference, it's really be like this other thing. And then everybody references the hunchback instead for the rest of the book, including CB himself. Well, but that's because he hears that that's what they call him. Oh, I guess that makes sense. But, like, the other thing, though, that I feel like is weird is, like, but the Hunchback of Notre Dame is also, like, a sympathetic character. Like, yeah. which I feel like also indicates, like, a lack of understanding of, but not on the author's part, on the character's part. Right. But that just makes the characters more frustrating. Anyway. Um, but, so, speaking, though, of of CB and that kind of, like, weird, like, savior thing, um, the... That's the thing that I wanted to mention earlier is Kathleen falling in love with the, uh, what was the name? Like something O'Reilly? Sean. Sean O'Reilly. Sean O'Reilly. Yeah. And that Brittany's just like, oh yeah, he must have like helped her with the telepathy and therefore she fell in love with him because of that. I'm like, wait, oh so you're God. acknowledging Ugh. that like that's, that's like what is happening to you. And that that's kind of a weird thing. Again, not on the author's part, but like on Britty's part, where it's just like, okay, so you as a character can understand that like that's why you're falling in love with the person you're falling in love with. And you're just going to be like, yeah, that's cool. That makes <laughs> like, sense. I was like, oh, no. I don't know. Value yourself. <laughs> I don't know. It was just frustrating. It's like, no, come on. If you can if you can sit there and say, this is why I fell in love with this guy, and it's because he saved you. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we are coming up on a round time. Do we want to get into that awkward line that Corinne, you and I were talking about, where she talks about how she was amazed that CB like didn't become a murderer or a rapist? Oh God! Is that a conversation we yeah, want? Yeah, let's like... talk about that. Yeah. Okay. 
because that may that was a, that was a weird ass throwaway line that just doesn't get like referred to again ever, and I don't know that was super bizarre. Again, partially because of the uh, schizophrenia like tie-in, where it's like you're amazed that anyone who hears voices doesn't become a murderer or a rapist. Like that feels like a weird statement to make. Right, because it's not. Okay, sorry. Go I would say also the social media reading. You're surprised anyone who's on social media doesn't become a murderer or a rapist. Also, total inconsistency within her own narrative where hearing the thoughts of someone around you would make you want to do grievous harm to them doesn't make sense to me at all. But it's just such a weird throwaway line that seems like an odd thing to to not cut or to include yeah. in the first place. I mean, it, it's the the idea that like it could make you go insane, right? This idea of telepathy and this complete inundation of all these voices. Like I even get that. Like that it could it could it could reduce somebody to to just kind of nothing. Like they just wouldn't be able to function. I kind I get that. Yeah. This specific yeah, it's a really thing weird way is to like it, Well that's what I like that like this is the opposite. This is like like going from like being driven being driven psychotic. Yeah. Which like is not a, a thing. Yeah. So like I don't yeah, it's eh. Yeah, it made me pretty uncomfortable. I was like mm, Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, no. I don't I don't think somebody who has no option but to hear the voices of everybody around them could I mean even like the the murder part, okay, maybe is, is, I guess if you're trying to like quiet things down, but the rapist part was just like, no, no, no. Yeah, that's the, it's like the, I feel like it's just the weird attachment of the two things where it's just like in her mind writing this, it's like, you know, a murder or what would some other thing, what would some other, what is another reprehensible thing? And then just, and that's what the line became. Yeah. yeah. Not good. Yeah, I was surprised by that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's a it's a weird, like, it sticks out like a sore thumb for, like, a lot of reasons, right? It's not like Altered Carbon where you're just like, yep, this is the book. It's it's like, yeah, this one, this feels very much out of place. But, which I feel like is part of what makes it so odd. I don't know. That was, yeah. that was well, I mean, it pulls you out of the book in a way that almost nothing else does. Except for the word smartphone. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, are there any kind of high points that we, that we want to talk about? I feel like there were some... Yeah, you know, there were. I I think it took me longer to hit the point where I stopped finding the book just like hard to read. But I feel like once it got going, um, wherever your point for get going is, um, it's at least got kind of an interesting idea. There are stretches during which it is entertaining. Um, I mean, I again, I really like the concept of this sort of uncontrollable telepathy that hmm. that Willis is exploring in in this book. I so it's. Like, I mean, it, it probably started to pick up for me once the actual telepathy happened, you know, probably by like chapter five or six or whatever that was. Um, but it didn't really like pick up, pick up until the whole like voices thing started to happen. Yeah. The, the, the theater scene I think was, was, yeah. was well done and interesting. Did anyone find it funny? No. I think parts of it were meant to be like, like when she was picking out the individual thoughts of certain people before the like terrible, terrible inundation began. Um, and it, like, I remember there was like 
the like when she was in line with the for the ticket guy trying to pick up the will call tickets and like she could hear the old man behind her being like rude and aggressive and whatever and she turned and he was just like smiling pleasantly at her and not saying anything like i think that was trying to be played for comedy i don't know that it all worked as someone with social anxiety and specifically agoraphobia those scenes definitely resonated with me but were they funny not like in a comedic way but like in a very real way Yeah, I was just curious because I hadn't really thought about it as as a romantic comedy until Cleo, you uh, kind of used until you, you described it as that, or said that she had kind of tried to write a like intended set out to write in a romantic comedy, and yeah, how did, you were surprised that she had made that decision. Did we all make do a double take when Cleo said that? Because I certainly did. <laughs> I mean, I do think a lot of it has elements like if you if you take out the horror element that is the telepathy pretty much in its entirety, a lot of uh, a lot of this stuff, I think, was sort of the kinds of beats of of rom-coms and that kind of stuff. A lot of the office scenes. Right, and... because a lot of it is like, you know, comedy of errors. Yes. Just everything going wrong. Um, it would be interesting to see this in film format. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't... I've known that this project, or this book was going to be a romantic comedy since way back whenever she first announced she was writing it. Um, I don't know if I would have pegged it as that, having read it without knowing that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a romance in kind of a weird off-putting way, but it, like, that's, that, that arc is central. But, yeah, the comedy part was, like, I see where you're coming from. It's like, oh, yeah, kind of a comedy of errors. There, it gets a bit farcical at at certain points it, there are certain bits where it feels like it's supposed to be kind of like witty banter and i'm just like eh, i don't know that it quite does it for me but like it feels like it's it's got the got the shape of it but i i don't know that i would have i would have necessarily attached that particular tag to it from the echo all right uh so that was our that was our crosstalk episode um i'm really excited to get back to this in the topic I, for a lot of the reasons that cleo you were bringing up earlier because I think it does have a lot of interesting things to say about social media and interacting online and the way that the ways that technology affects that, uh, that I think are going to be, I think when we can kind of filter out and talk specifically about those kind of bigger ideas uh, in the context of other things, I think it's going to be a really interesting point of reference. Yeah. So I would say if you're certain, certainly if you're interested in getting into some of the bigger ideas from this, uh, absolutely come back for our topic episode. Uh, I think that we're going to be getting more into that. Um, but if you want to come in for the topic episode, you're going to need to be fully prepared, which means you're going to need to listen to our next episode, which is about San Junipero from Black Mirror. And you're going to need to listen to the one after that, which is about Emily is away. So you got a lot of work to do. Um, so do we, because we got to make those. Uh, so until then, thank you so much for listening. Tonks, you went right for the mouse. This is right when I need it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Read, Watch, Play. If you want to help us out, the best thing you can do is to tell your friends about the show. You can also rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to find us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Podcast or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rwppodcast. Real quick, I feel like I've been smelling pizza for like 20, 30, this whole time I feel like I've been smelling pizza. Why am I smelling pizza? I, I don't know, because honestly, um, right now, our bedroom smells like a sewer. Mm. I don't know why. There's like certain spots that sound, smell like sewer or dead thing. Um, 
we're really not thrilled about this. We can't find out where it's coming from, so I'm really glad you're getting pizza and not that. <laughs> I will say I'm not getting pizza, so I don't, I don't know. I'm just going to say I'm really hungry for pizza now. 